0: Hey friends, welcome back to episode number 11 and our second installment of why we're gaining weight or not losing weight even if we're doing the ketogenic diet as women. So last week, episode number 10, was our first round in talking about this topic and I thought I was going to get through all of them and I definitely did not. I think I got about halfway so hopefully we can wrap it up today and not need a third episode but I'm not going to make any promises just yet. Uh, But we talked about um, mindset, gut health, food, things you could be doing even with a ketogenic diet, things you may be including in that diet that are potentially causing you to have weight stalls or not lose weight or whatever you want to call it. So now we need to move into our second episode. Before we do that, just a few things here. Like I mentioned last week, this is meant to be kind of a all-encompassing things we're not normally thinking about when we think about weight gain or inability to lose weight. And it's kind of just use it to start being your own investigator and taking charge of your own health and really looking at these other opportunities as to why you might be having some health issues or some weight issues or whatever it may be. Uh, just I want you to start leading yourself in that direction and finding out more information about you and your body because I can tell you from my own personal experience, it is just like the coolest thing ever to know what your body is up to and what it's struggling with and what it's doing really well at and seeing improvements happen. And really just by going keto, those improvements that change. I mean, it's so cool to see that. So I want you guys to use this information and these conversations that we're having to do that for yourself. So I'm not giving you like, the utmost of all detail when I go through this, although I do go on tangents, of course, but If any of these topics that we're talking about, you would like more information, you would like me to expand on uh, and give you some more of the nitty gritty, I'm happy to. I would love to do that. And we can maybe break down these topics into more particular podcasts. So you just have to let me know that. And if you have any questions of things that are coming up as we're talking about these topics uh, today and in last episode as well. Just shoot me an email at info at keto for women show and let me know what you'd like to hear more about and expand more on. I'm happy to do that. I think that all of these topics that we're discussing make really good second episodes to dive deep. I just don't know how deep you guys want to get. I don't know how much you want to know. So that's up to you to decide and just let me know. I can definitely nerd out on all of this stuff. I'm just trying not to so that we can get more Of these lists done. Um, If you'd like to just kind of see what I'm up to, chat with me over social media or just on random things. I love doing that as well. You can get to know me a little bit better there. You can go to my Instagram, which is where I'm most active all day on the Instagram stories and uh, posting things too. You can find me there at Sean Minor Health. And then same thing at over at Facebook, uh, not doing so much on my personal Facebook page, so don't really bother friending me over there. But you can just search Sean Minor Health over there and find me, and you'll see all the stuff I'm doing business-wise, which is much more fun because I don't really do all that much personal stuff over there on the Facebook. But tons of business stuff happening over there. We will get into more detail next week about the Fat Burning Female Project. I've had lots of emails coming in about if the project is right for you, what it entails, what it's like. Is it good for people who have done keto, not done keto, this age, that age, this weight, that weight. (laughs) So I'm going to go through all of that and break it down for about probably 15 minutes next week as we approach the enrollment for the September round, which will be the final round for 2017. We'll kick back up at the beginning of 2018 after the holidays, uh, which is so weird that we're already talking about holidays because it feels like it's far away, but I don't think it actually is. So I will go through more of that in detail next week, next episode, and we'll also do a keto Q&A episode along with that. So I always love those. Looking forward to that. Make sure you get your questions in if you have any so I can answer them for you. Happy to do it. Okay, are we ready for this episode? This one you know, like I said, we talked a lot about food, the gut, mindset, things like that last week. We're probably going to get into mindset again this week cuz it's that important. But this week we're going deep into the hormones. I know that it's been 11 episodes and probably All 11 of them, I've used the word hormones to some degree, and we've talked about hormones quite a bit because really at the end of the day, that's the bottom line as to why keto can be approached differently and should be approached differently for women versus men because of our hormones. And so, yeah, I'm going to be talking about it a lot. That's why I have a whole podcast specifically for women and keto. But we really need to dive into the hormones as far as the reasons why they could be causing us other health issues and why they might be causing weight loss stalls or fatigue or brain fog, all of these things. And so just know that this episode is specific to weight gain or weight loss resistance while doing a ketogenic diet, or maybe not, maybe just doing any diet. But they also have a lot of other symptoms along with them. So we really need to look at it from this holistic perspective and just know that, yeah, you might be experiencing weight loss resistance or weight gain and that's kind of the, the red flag trigger for you. But you're probably also experiencing a lot of other symptoms of hormonal imbalance that when you really take a look at it, You're not necessarily feeling this awesome energy spike because you're now in keto that so many people claim ketosis does for them. Maybe you're still super tired. Maybe you still have brain fog. Maybe you still don't have enough energy for your workouts. Maybe your workouts don't really feel that great when you do them. Maybe you're still having skin breakouts. You know, there's so many other factors involved when we talk about an imbalance in your hormones no matter what the imbalance is, I mean, there's so many different ones, which we're going to talk about today. It's important for you to start not only really thinking about these reasons why you might be not losing weight, but Think about some of the other things that are going on, because that's going to help you determine what might be going on with your hormones. I mean, a lot of them are very common across the board as to the symptoms. It's kind of hard to just tell what you have going on with your hormones just based on symptoms, which is why I insist on testing for hormones in my practice That's what really helps us determine what you need to work on instead of just guessing. And so, yes, you're going to get some really good information today about what your hormones could be doing, but there may come a time for you to start looking a little deeper and and really get to the bottom of it. So keep that in mind. But weight loss resistance – weight gain especially in your midsection is a huge indicator of a hormonal imbalance and so let's talk about those shall we i love talking about hormones i could talk about them all day which i pretty much do funny how that works okay let's go through this list that i've created of reasons why you might be gaining weight or not losing weight even with a ketogenic diet because of your hormones the first one estrogen dominance now this is a very very common thing that happens in women quite easily I see it pretty much every day in my practice for sure with my clients uh, dealing with estrogen dominance and that's the reason why they're experiencing this weight gain or the fatigue or extra cramps or irregular menstrual cycles horrible PMS. Just the list can really go on and on in that regard. Hugely common and really the biggest reason why, like I said last week, we're going to tie everything back to stress, but when you have a stressful scenario going on in your body, in your life, in your brain, whatever it may be, your body is going to preferentially make, which I've talked about this before, but let's go through it again because I don't think we can talk about it enough, Your body is going to preferentially make cortisol over progesterone. Progesterone is an extremely important hormone in our bodies, but quite often it's really low in women specifically. Stress causes your body to make more cortisol. Your adrenal glands will produce that cortisol for you at the expense of producing progesterone. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. Now, this will put you in a state of estrogen dominance. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that your estrogen is high. And many, many people who have estrogen dominance, their estrogen is pretty darn low too. It's just that their progesterone is that much lower in relationship. So we need to have this really awesome spike of progesterone in our luteal phase, which is that second half of our menstrual cycle days 15 to 28, if you're in a normal 28-day cycle, which I know a lot of us aren't, but we have this kind of bell curve that happens with our progesterone in that time frame. And days 19 through 23, again, of that normal cycle, your progesterone should be peaking really, really high. And that's what gives you this really nice, awesome, easy menstrual cycle. It also is what would happen if you were actually pregnant. That would keep raising, progesterone would keep on going. It does fall back down when you're not pregnant because you don't need to carry a baby to term. When we don't have that progesterone spike in that luteal phase, we will have a state of estrogen dominance because that little dance, like I like to talk about, that ratio of estrogen to progesterone is going to be off even if your estrogen is low. Now, there is also the chance that you do have that progesterone nice peak in the middle of the luteal phase, but your estrogen is high. You could have an overabundance of estrogen, which does happen. Sometimes it's not nearly as common, but regardless, we're always thinking about that ratio, and that ratio then is going to be off. Now, there is, of course, also the case of having high estrogen and low progesterone, so that's an option too. But in my practice specifically, and I think this is just, you know, I I see a lot of women dealing with stress in their lives, and it's most common to have normal to even slightly low estrogen, but just really low progesterone. And that's really often the case too with the women who are not cycling at all, who have amenorrhea. That's uh, quite often the case for those ladies as well. So like I said, stress is going to be the biggest trigger for this. It also would be a case where you, if you had a high carb diet with poor quality fats or just low fat diet, those can cause estrogen dominance as well. Also an intake of xeno hormones, which would be those synthetic hormones quite often in water, in plastics, things like that. If you're not taking care to make sure you're only using glass or filtering your water, that can create A higher amount of estrogen in your body than you want. Same thing with eating a high intake of soy products that could cause estrogen dominance as well. So definitely things that we can do right there that could be easy things to eliminate to see if that helps. However I'm going to tell you that 95% of the time you're going to have to work on your stress level and you're going to have to work on that in a major way. So I'm going to go through all of these because they're all kind of based on stress and then we'll talk about what we can do to reduce our stress. So when you have estrogen dominance just like I said when you have that ratio of estrogen to progesterone that is not in that very tight balance that it needs to be in right there is a state of unease in your body, which will cause weight gain. I mean, it's partly because of the stress, but it's also just because of your excess estrogen and or lower progesterone. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about cortisol. And the interesting thing is that cortisol can cause weight gain whether it is low or whether it is high in either case you have a state of adrenal fatigue we'll call it that easiest way i think to explain it because you have this state of stress in your body your adrenal glands increase their cortisol production in response to that stress that's kind of the way that we can handle stress in our bodies is through cortisol and for a while You will have more cortisol, so a high cortisol state in your body in response to this stress. And then after a certain period of time, as your body becomes more fatigued, your adrenals can't quite keep up with the needs that you are putting on it in order to compensate for this stress level. Then we get into a state of low cortisol simply because your adrenals can't keep up. Most of us nowadays, to be perfectly honest, are in some Stage between those two. Having high cortisol is technically stage one. Having really low cortisol is stage three. And then of course there's stage two, which is somewhere in between those. We all have some stage of those. I mean, unless you've really, really spent a lot of time working on your adrenals over the years, which I'm waiting for my results back. I'm hoping mine are getting better. I was at bottom basement, low cortisol for a really long time, and it was slowly creeping up. That was about two years ago. Last year, it was about halfway there. So I'm hoping this year I may have gotten at least into a stage two. We'll see. But regardless, whether it's high cortisol or low cortisol, you are going to potentially have, well, you're definitely going to have health issues. You're going to feel that. You're going to feel differently, probably more fatigue. Uh, more on edge if you have high cortisol, really moody, depressed, and weight gain or inability to lose weight. Those will definitely come with any sort of imbalance in cortisol. And the reason why is that, like I've mentioned, I believe it was episode two or three, I want to say, I talked about the link between having Adrenal fatigue, having cortisol issues, and having blood sugar swings and insulin spikes. They're very, very connected. Having dysregulated cortisol is also going to mean having increased insulin levels throughout the day and having more blood sugar swings. Those two, and we know, I think most of us listening to this podcast know, and we'll talk about this later on, that insulin is the fat storage hormone. Insulin is very much our regulator of how much body fat we have. And yeah, we need insulin, definitely, but we need it in a very controlled manner. We need it to be pretty darn steady throughout the day. And the same thing with our blood sugar. Glucose is running through our bodies, whether we eat carbs or not. Our livers making it no matter what we do. And we do have it running through our bodies. But again, we want it to be very steady. And the same thing goes for cortisol. We need a certain amount of cortisol in our bodies every single day. That's what makes us feel the best and handle these uh, small stressors that come into our lives. And cortisol is, is pretty high in the morning. And then it has this sloping situation that happens throughout the day where, you know, noon, you're midway. And then evening and nighttime, you're pretty low because... It is an antagonist to melatonin. So when we have low cortisol, we're having high melatonin, which means it's time for bed. But this can get really wonky in people and any wonkiness really, to be honest, whether it's high, low, all over the place, just dysregulated throughout the day is going to cause this increased insulin, these blood sugar swings. This will lead to increased belly fat. And what's interesting to note about cortisol is that we have more cortisol receptors in our belly fat cells than anywhere else in our bodies. So if you notice your waistline kind of expanding when nothing really has changed except maybe your stress level, like maybe you started a new job, maybe you broke up with your significant other, that is really a sign that your stress level is Contributing to your change in your body, like actual physical body, which I find fascinating. But cortisol dysregulation also causes high blood pressure. It has been linked to diabetes. It's obviously a trigger for poor sleep, which we're going to talk about when we talk about lifestyle stuff today. And if you think about it in a very just kind of logical term, when you are in a stressful situation, your body is doing everything it can to conserve energy, keep yourself as healthy and as regulated as possible. And that's what cortisol's role is, right? But a stressful scenario also means that you are in survival mode. And survival mode means that you're going to store some body fat. And now we have these stressful scenarios pretty much on a daily basis for most of us living in this world that we're in. And It's going to cause some body fat storage. It's going to cause survival mode. It's going to cause your body to be out of homeostasis. It's going to cause these hormonal imbalances that just totally wreak havoc on everything. So this is where everything I mentioned last week and everything basically I'm going to mention this week, it comes down to stress. It comes down to balancing your cortisol. It comes down to regulating that. And now you can see from a very basic level, having cortisol be the slightest bit out of whack is going to result, amongst many other things, is going to result in your body changing, your body shape changing, your body weight changing, your inability to lose more weight, All of that is going to be affected simply by that. And that's really why, here I go on a tangent again, but that's really why I feel like the keto diet and fasting and even intermittent fasting and not eating enough food and being on a calorie-restricted plan, having any sort of fat fear and all this stuff that we've been dealing with and putting our bodies through as far as our actual diet goes has really now caused us to have the opposite effect. Because now our bodies are just totally stressed out from all of that and we are dysregulated beyond belief and still trying to dig ourselves out of that. And that's why a real food, nutrient-dense, ketogenic diet with enough food and not fasting until your body's ready is the way to dig yourself out of that. And I am so passionate about that, especially now that I have proof. I have these women in the Fat-Burning Female Project who are turning their bodies around because they've stopped dieting. They've started doing a ketogenic the right way. They've taken the steps to do it appropriately and safely and slowly. They're eating enough food. They're eating nutrient-dense food. They're enjoying their lives again, and things turn around, and that's really important. This is where we can actually get our hormones back on track. But We got to start with the basics, and I'm going to talk after I go through all these hormones, we'll talk about other stuff because it's not just about diet, but this is the Keto for Women show, so we're going to talk about keto, which means as far as food goes, you really got to stop being so stressed out about it. You need your body to not be stressed out about what you are or are not eating, which may include having more carbs, having more fat, having more food overall, having more or less protein. I mean, there's a million different things that it could be for you, but you need to decide it for you. And that's where the intuitive piece comes in. That's where listening to your body comes in, finding out this information for you instead of reading this blog and just following what that girl does. (laughs) It's just, I want you to have the, the power to do what you want to do, what's right for your body and what will get you back to being balanced. That's where I want to help people. That's that's where my job comes in as to helping you determine that for you and giving you back the power. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Like I can't stop talking about it. But I'm so passionate about this stuff as you can tell because it happened for me, and now it's happening for the women and the fat burning female. It is a true, real thing that can actually happen. In addition to all these other changes that we need to make to get our stress levels in check, but Uh, That's just my soapbox for the day. I promise I won't go on another one. We'll move on. Let's move on down this list. Next one that is up is high androgens. So this would be the case of PCOS. We know androgen hormones are our quote unquote male hormones. This would include testosterone and DHEA as the primary drivers of this. In my practice, when these are elevated, we can pretty much bet that Uh, a PCOS type situation is to blame. We can call it PCOS. I really don't care because you can have high androgens without having cysts on your ovaries. You, I guess you may or may not be diagnosed by a doctor as having PCOS. It really just doesn't matter all that much. What really matters is getting to the root cause of why you have high androgens and bringing them down. And the main reason why this happens for most people, although we are seeing more cases of people with normal blood sugar and normal insulin levels that do have PCOS, but for most ladies, it is because of a higher blood sugar leading to higher insulin levels and higher insulin equals higher testosterone. They're just very much connected in that way to where... If you have one, you probably have the other, and if not, you're going to if you don't start healing that right away. So we really try to work on getting that down as soon as possible, which is the main reason why a ketogenic diet is an absolute no-brainer for women with PCOS, diagnosed or just high androgens. You may know if you have high androgens without having being tested, although I highly recommend testing with a urine or saliva sample because you have uh, increased facial hair, loss of head hair, acne. You may experience, I mean, like we're talking about today. Weight gain is a big one and that's just because testosterone is kind of a driver of belly fat in women. It does the opposite in men, but in women it can do that. Increased testosterone. Now, don't take that to mean that we as women don't need testosterone at all or that if we have any, it's going to cause belly fat because that is absolutely not true. We definitely need it. I'm going to talk about that coming up, but if you have an increase in testosterone, it will drive belly fat. So we just need to really take care of that insulin level. Really make sure your blood sugar is nice and steady throughout the day. This would be the person that should be getting their HbA1c percent checked on a regular basis, their fasting glucose checked, their fasting insulin checked, and just really keep an eye on those on a very regular basis because if you can get those to a very normally sustained level, you're going to be probably also seeing some really nicely balanced androgens too as soon as those are all taken care of. So the quickest and easiest way to do that is with a ketogenic diet, obviously. You can also use some supplementation like saw palmetto is a really great herb that's good for reducing androgens. You can use uh, inositol, which is Uh, often used in the holistic health world for people with PCOS because it does help you regulate your blood sugar levels. So those are some things you can add to your protocol if you want to do one while you're doing a ketogenic diet and have PCOS. You can do those things too, but more than likely if you can stick to keto and get your blood sugar under control and really keep track of those, then you're probably not going to need to be on those long-term, which is always the goal with supplements. It's never meant to be a super long-term thing. Hopefully, it's just a supplement for a short-term. Moving right along, we have menopause, which I know is super important and a big topic around here because I do have a lot of post-menopausal women listening, and that also includes perimenopause. So We did talk about this a little bit in episode seven. Great episode. Highly recommend you listen to that if you haven't already, but I really also think that it would be a good chance right now to kind of go through what happens when you are switching into a menopausal woman in that phase of your life. First, there is the stage of perimenopause, which is really just kind of when things start slowing down. Uh, We may get to a point where we're not cycling every single month uh, or our, our cycles are longer or Lighter, or whatever the case may be, and it's just our body starting to not produce the hormones that we're used to producing in our fertile days. When menopause happens, it basically causes your estrogen to drop. There's three forms of estrogen estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Now, when we are premenopausal, we produce mainly estradiol, which is the most potent form of estrogens out there. When we become menopausal, we still produce estrogen, but it is now in the form of estriol, which is a weaker form of estrogen. Our ovaries stop producing as much of it, and more of the job is placed on our adrenal glands, believe it or not. So if your adrenals aren't ready to go, you may be experiencing some issues. We also have a fall in progesterone. Now, it's not totally gone. And neither is estrogen. We're just kind of changing forms. But our progesterone definitely lowers. We still need a good balance of the two. We can still be in a state of estrogen dominance, even in menopause. We still need that ratio to be really nice and balanced out. It's just going to be slightly different. It's just a different ratio, essentially, than when we are cycling. So if you are perimenopausal or menopausal and going through some symptoms, not feeling great, weight gain is going to be one of those, then you need to see if your hormones are balanced out. And this is why a lot of women, like Jackie was saying, are put on these medications, these synthetic hormones, without knowing if they actually need them just in order to basically stop these symptoms, but it may not be what you need. It may not be in the right ratio. It may cause the ratios to be even further off. So you really need, it's a great time to really look at your hormones, get those tested in the salivary or urine test and see how you're doing. And like I just mentioned, if you go into perimenopause or menopause with any sort of adrenal dysfunction, like, when I was just talking about lower high cortisol, if you've had kind of a stressful time before that time of your life, then you may have a really hard transition. You could very well have a hormonal imbalance even within menopause once it happens, because, like I said, your adrenal glands are kind of your backup system here. Your adrenal glands will produce that estriol that you are needing to balance out your hormones. So, if there is any sort of adrenal dysfunction, low cortisol, high cortisol stage, any sort of adrenal fatigue going on, then you're going to feel that in your transition to perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. and you could really be having some struggles. We're talking about weight today, so that could definitely be a change in your weight, Uh, will show up in that regard if things are a little off. So it's definitely something to look into and not just assume that you're just not having any hormones now because you're post-menopause. That is not the case. You will always have hormones running through you. You will always feel the best and look the best when they are in a very natural, comfortable dance with each other. And if they're not, then you're going to probably experience some side effects, one of which could be weight gain. Now, another important part that is for these perimenopausal and postmenopausal women, but really for all of us too, and this was something that Jackie brought up, is your testosterone. And like I just mentioned, yes, we can have too much testosterone and then we—that that is something that we need to correct, but we can just as easily have low testosterone, which can also cause issues for you. It's just one of those hormones that, yes, it doesn't change that much throughout the month like the rest of our hormones do, but it still is really important to have this steady nice balanced state throughout the month. So that's something that we really need to make sure is controlled and to make sure is regulated for ourselves. You know, having a normal state of testosterone, like a nice balanced state of testosterone leads to a decrease in body fat. And again, we're talking about weight gain, inability to lose weight today. So that's going to possibly be a part of it. That's going to be possibly one reason why you may not be experiencing what you thought you would experience as far as weight changes when you are keto or paleo or whatever you decide to do. It could simply be because of your testosterone levels, which is so crazy, but also something that is very much controlled by our stress levels. If we have too much stress, one of those hormones that will not be produced in response to that stress is testosterone. So it's just another case where really getting your stress under control, really thinking about that cortisol response that you're having on a daily basis is of utmost importance if you actually want to see some changes in maybe your leanness. Maybe you're someone that wants to gain more muscle or have more definition or tone or whatever you want to call it. If your testosterone is off, that's not going to happen. You're going to have a really, really hard time with that. So um, it could be a case where you just want to change your body composition and you're struggling to do so. We need to look at your testosterone. Okay, so those were all the sex hormones. I think the main ones, I'm sure there's probably more again, like I mentioned, and we can talk about those as they come up potentially in future episodes, but let's move on to other hormones that could be a problem for you. So I know most of us know a lot about the thyroid, and we all know that when we go to the doctor and we complain about weight gain or weight loss resistance or something of that nature, many times they will look to your thyroid because that really is kind of our metabolic driver to some degree. But like I mentioned in a past episode, your thyroid is only going to drive your body as fast as your body can go. And if your adrenals are remotely tapped out, if you're, again, going back to the same thing I keep talking about, but if you've been in a state of stress and you are have some stage of adrenal fatigue then the health of your adrenals is also going to affect the health of your thyroid. And your thyroid's only going to give you as much energy as your adrenals can handle. If you are in a low cortisol state and you're trying to rev your body with all this thyroid hormone, it's probably not going to go well. You're not going to feel all that great. You're probably going to tax your adrenals even more and be even worse off. And I do have a a post about this on my website if you want to read about it. So there still is going to be that need, even if your thyroid has some imbalances to it, to still look at your adrenal glands, to still look at the state of your cortisol, your stress level, everything we're talking about all day today. We still need to go back to that root cause and see what's going on there. That being said, it is also important to get your thyroid tested appropriately. This is going to mean more than just getting your TSH tested, which is what happens in a lot of traditional medicine practices. Sometimes they'll do T4 if you're lucky, which is great, but it's still not enough information. You're not getting the full picture, and the full picture is what really is going to help you determine where that imbalance lies. Here are the tests that you need to have run When you are truly looking to find out the health of your thyroid, your thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH, which most doctors will do, your total T4, free T4, total T3, free T3, reverse T3, T3 uptake. And the two antibodies, TPO antibody and TGB antibody or thyroglobulin antibody. That is a complete thyroid hormone panel. That is what will tell you if you have thyroid imbalances or not, if you need thyroid support, if you have maybe just some um, supplements will do the trick, maybe some lifestyle changes will do the trick, you need to get that full test run In order to understand if thyroid is your issue. And also keep in mind with these tests, which might be a little tough to get at a traditional medicine doctor, you may have to go to someone more like myself who does more functional lab testing to get the rest of those run. Uh, And we'll also show you the functional lab range, which is much tighter than the traditional medicine range, which is really often so huge and the difference is when you are somebody that is sitting outside of a traditional medicine range that often shows that disease is present or right around the corner however when we look from a functional medicine perspective at these things and you're outside of range potentially in those areas it's just basically almost like a warning sign and just um giving us that warning sign that we need to start preventing further dysfunction so it really gives us these flags much sooner which quite often then we can reverse way easier and way sooner before they become a problem as opposed to having these wider ranges which by the time you're outside of those ranges you're given medication and you don't have the chance to really try to reverse it before it becomes something worse so keep that in mind again little bit of a tangent there because I'm so passionate about the functional lab ranges and really being able to see things to the point where we can prevent disease because we're getting those little flags ahead of time. So thyroid is really important if you are having, I really honestly, I think all women should know the state of their thyroid. I don't really think there's anybody out there that wouldn't benefit from knowing whether you're good. Or maybe you need some support or maybe you have an autoimmune disease you didn't know about. And, you know, those antibodies are testing for uh, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. So I I think that that's kind of, again, talking about going back to what I talked about at the beginning, where it's just getting more information about your body is very empowering. And to know whether you need support in the thyroid area or not is so beneficial. And especially if you're someone who's having trouble with weight gain or weight loss resistance, energy, mood, sleep, uh, workouts, if you have adrenal fatigue and or other hormonal imbalances, then your thyroid probably also took a hit to some degree as well. So we need to check that out too and really try to support you there before it becomes something much worse. So that's my thyroid chat. Let's move on to insulin, which I know we've talked about a lot and I know many people in the keto community also know about the importance of insulin. So I just want to briefly r- remind you that if you are someone who has been in a high carb diet before and now trying to transition to keto or fully in transition to keto, you're still probably healing your insulin levels from that. And healing that takes time. And until you do, you will probably not see the weight loss you're looking for. Weight loss comes when we are in a very balanced state overall. And having high insulin levels throughout the day because that's something you're still working on is just another reason for your body to continue kind of being in this stressed out mode and just not really working on healing itself. And until that happens, you need to be patient with your body and understand that there's some serious work going on. And keto is obviously doing that for you at a much quicker state than any other way of eating, but you still have to be patient. Give your body the time and the room to heal the blood sugar, to heal the insulin, and get into this nice state of homeostasis. So it just takes a little bit of time. So patience is key there, my friend. The next one is a big one and very, very close to my heart. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a ton of information that we may want to hear from this, but I can at least, I guess, maybe provide some information about it. And that is the hormone of leptin. So leptin and ghrelin are our hunger and satiety hormones. They regulate our appetite and are very, very important to let us know when we're hungry and let us know when we've eaten enough food. And also really important to keep enough body fat on our body to maintain a normal energy level while also not having so much body fat on your body that it becomes a health issue. So they are very, leptin in particular, is very much a fat storage hormone as well, as far as regulating how much fat you have on your body. So there are leptin receptors in your brain. Leptin is created mainly in your fat cells. And will basically, leptin travels up, connects with those leptin receptors, and says... There's plenty of fat on our bodies. We don't need to continue eating. We have enough energy. Life is good. In a someone with normal uh, leptin levels, they also have a very normal healthy body fat percentage. They know when to stop eating. They have normal hunger cues, all of the fun awesome stuff. However, we can also get into a state of leptin resistance. And this is similar to what happens in insulin resistance where you where those receptors no longer receive that message and so while you are producing all the leptin and it's flowing through the blood, it's not traveling up to that receptor site so that message isn't getting across of we have plenty of food, we have plenty of fat storage, go ahead, there's no need for survival mode, we're cool. That signal doesn't happen So your body continues to produce more leptin, your brain continues to think that there's not enough and we need to go into survival mode and we need more fat to get through to have enough energy, so store all the fat, Uh, and it becomes kind of a mess and it can very much trigger unexplained weight gain. There are a lot of studies right now looking more at leptin resistance being the number one cause of, of obesity because we just have this uncontrolled fat storage going on because that communication is totally cut. This is what happened to me about two years ago now was when maybe a little, yeah, about two years ago was when I started noticing that I was gaining weight really rapidly. I hadn't changed anything about my diet or my fitness routine or anything like that. I was actually a personal trainer at the time. I was super duper active Uh, eating a paleo diet, not quite keto, but definitely a high-fat, low-carb diet. And all of a sudden, I just started gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining. It ended up being about a pound a week for a really long time until it totaled about 35 pounds of just completely unexplained weight gain. This was actually what led me, this was my main symptom that led me to start just really digging about my health because it just did not make sense for what my lifestyle was. I was controlling my stress. I was doing uh, so many things right and this just wasn't adding up and this is what led me to long... You know, really long story short, this is what led me to find out that I actually was dealing with chronic inflammatory response syndrome from a toxic mold environment that I was living in at the time. And what happened is that inflammation process that took place in my body was just so intense that it actually caused inflammation in my brain the inflammation in my brain it damaged my leptin receptors sites so i became leptin resistant my body really wasn't getting any signals at all like i wasn't having periods or anything at the time either because i was so sick and so inflamed and one of the communication signals that shut down was that signal for leptin and Now that I know that that's what it was, I know how it feels now. I know because I would eat a really awesome plate of food and a half hour later, I would be starving and I would need to eat more food. And I finally realized that that's what was going on. And so I began to, which is so hard to do when you're when you eat intuitively, I began to have to not listen to my hunger cues because I knew they weren't real. I knew that I had plenty of fuel from my day in my body for my workouts. And I was just needing to kind of more so go by what I knew a normal day looked like for me when I did give my body enough food and not necessarily by my hunger cues, which was really hard. However, that didn't necessarily mean that I stopped gaining weight because I was still gaining and gaining and gaining no matter what I did. And the only thing that made that stop was to reduce my inflammation. Um, I had to go through the entire protocol of getting out of the moldy environment going through the medications that are used to dampen down this inflammatory effect and i mean it's a very long story that i'm really making short but it did end up working now i still think that i will just have permanent brain damage. And that's something that I'm working on with my doctor right now, because obviously this is the main reason why I do a ketogenic diet is to start and continue healing my brain and continue healing that inflammatory response because it's going to take years. It's not going to be overnight, although things have definitely, I mean, I'm about 97% there, I would say. But one of the last things that I'm still struggling with is that leptin resistance. I still, I think that there's a possibility that maybe there's permanent damage to those receptor sites. I'm not quite sure, but I, because I'm in this field and my doctor and I work very closely and we're we're pretty much colleagues at this point, we're kind of using me as an experiment to see can keto reverse it? Does it have to be with fasting? Because I did use fasting to accelerate that reversal and it, and it worked for a short time, but now I'm kind of back in this gray zone. So I will have more information for you. I will use my experiment to help you all as well. I'm just, I'm doing this testing on a very regular basis uh, to let you know. But back to you guys. Um, So leptin resistance is very much tied to insulin resistance. So if you are an insulin resistant person, you quite possibly could be leptin resistant as well. Now here's the struggle. Leptin is a pretty new hormone on the On the docket, Uh, really, it's only been kind of known and researched since the 90s. So it's very, there's not a whole lot of information known about it yet. And there's still a lot of research to be done. Another thing about it is it's very hard to test for. Now, you can go to pretty much any doctor or any lab and they will test for leptin. What I have found, though, because I've been to many doctors and I've done lots of different lab tests, a lot of times they are not accurate. So you are not getting an accurate reading of your actual leptin because what's going to happen is your leptin levels will be high, similar to an insulin resistant state. Your leptin levels will be high because they are not connecting with that receptor. And so basically your body keeps producing leptin, but there's nowhere for it to go. And so you will have high leptin, which should be normally very tightly controlled. It's just very hard to find a lab that tests for it correctly, I have found. The one that I use and my doctor uses and we've just found to be the most accurate is called True Health Diagnostics. You would need to find a provider that does run that test. Not something that I do in my practice currently, although I'm looking into seeing if I can add that. But Just know that if you go to your doctor and ask for a leptin result and because you really think that that's the case for you and it comes back normal, that may not be true. There's just, I think, a lot of room for error still since it is such a new test and hormone out there. The good news is that whether you have leptin resistance or not, the way to manage it and reverse it is through keto Potentially fasting. Again, that's something I'm experimenting with and I will let you know. Hopefully, not, um, which I'll explain more when I know more. I'm going back to the doctor this week, so I'll know more and can give you guys the update. But low fructose. So, fructose has been linked to leptin resistance. So, low fructose, which those foods mainly are like maple syrup and honey, obviously, high fructose corn syrup, table sugar. Even more paleo-type sugars like coconut sugar and those things just not don't need to be totally eliminated, but definitely monitored. If you think that's something that might be going on for you, um, exercise, lifting weights is great for your leptin levels. Cold tubs, hot saunas, the sun, especially getting out in the sun in the morning. Getting really good, high-quality sleep and staying on a normal sleep schedule as much as you possibly can, really getting your circadian rhythm on track, also super important. So these are all simple things that we really should all be doing regardless of our leptin levels, for sure. I would say if you think that this is a an issue for you, do those things first without really totally worrying about testing just do the do a keto diet keep your fructose low get this awesome sleep all the things I just mentioned and see how that changes and really you still have to work on everything we already mentioned too because from what I've seen if you are someone who is leptin resistant you also have these other things going on that even if you can get your leptin under control you're still going to have some sort of hormone imbalance or gut imbalance that's going to keep you from losing weight too so there's definitely more to the story so don't just focus and really get all bent out of shape about your leptin it's a total body full body fix that we need to have happen and so this could is all part of what we should all be doing anyways like I said That took a really long time because I have a personal story and that really, I mean, it was hard. It's a hard thing to deal with when you're just don't know what's going on with your body and you're doing everything the same and all of a sudden things are changing. So I totally understand where you guys are coming from when you have these complaints about weight loss resistance and weight gain without changing things. I completely understand. So don't think that I don't. I've been there And I know how frustrating it is and how sad it is and how depressing it is. So I get it. But there are so many things that we can do. Don't worry. It will get better. I promise. Okay, we're running out of time, big time. But I still have just a couple quick things that I want to mention. So the inflammation that happened that caused my leptin resistance. Well, inflammation in general is going to come across as weight gain, like I mentioned last week. So really make sure that you are doing everything you can to reduce inflammation, which would be managing your stress levels, eating the foods that are right for you, taking care of any hormone imbalances, I mean, everything we've talked about. All those things that we I talked about in the past two weeks can lead to inflammation and we need to get that under control. If you are someone that has autoimmune disease, the stress that can come from that, the inflammation that can come from that, the immune system dysregulation, all of that could be a cause for possible weight gain or weight loss, any weight changes there. So be aware of that and give your body tons of grace if you're going through an active autoimmune disease right now. And don't try to push for weight and that's your body's not ready to lose. You got more important things to really focus on and, and get under control. Like I mentioned with mold, uh, environmental toxins are a very big deal and really just toxins in general. I mean, it could be a toxic relationship, but environmental toxins are super important. We hold toxins in our fat cells. So if you have lots of toxins roaming around your body and your liver's not getting rid of them, like we mentioned last week when we were talking about liver health, then you're going to require more fat cells to store those toxins. So really look at your home clean out your products, get onto more natural products um, that are toxin-free, use essential oils, use coconut oil for everything. That's pretty much what I do for your skin-related stuff, Um, your shampoo, your conditioner, your soaps, your laundry detergents, your dishwashing detergents, anything that has a color, really just get rid of those things. They're so terrible for you, those food colorings. Uh, make sure you are filtering your water, even your shower water, your bath water, your drinking water. I really like Aquasana, aquasana.com. I will link to that. That's the one that I use. Um, medications. I mean, I am not someone that is knowledgeable on medications as a holistic practitioner. So that's going to be up to you. If you are taking medications, you can look and see what those Side effects are, some of them might be weight gain. They could be antidepressants, hormones, PPIs, blood pressure medication, anti-anxiety medication. I mean, the list goes on and on. And a lot of them cause weight gain. So look for those. And then I just can't finish off this episode without talking about stress because really that's what it all comes down to, right? And we talked about that last week and mindset and all that stuff, but I'm going to talk about it again because... We're not going to see these changes that we so desperately want to see if we can't start modulating our stress a little bit better. Really, really work to get that under control. Uh, Get to your root cause. Do the testing if you feel like testing is right for you. And see where you're at see what you need to do. I think that that helps so much to determine what you need to do to get your adrenals back on track. How far do you need to go? What changes do you need to make to your life and your stress level to have healthy hormones and healthy adrenals again? Seeing that in person just makes all the difference in the world when you can see how your stress level is actually impacting your health. So get on that and just it's really time to take a hard look at what you are doing to your body because you are stressed about uh, your work life, your relationship, it honestly so often is because you are stressed about what you're eating. It is so often that. It's crazy how much stress we put on our bodies because we are nervous about eating this much food or eating that thing or eating too many carbs or eating not enough carbs or eating too much protein or not enough. I mean... It is this cascade that just really, really can harm our health and our adrenals and our hormones because of just that simple thing of really trying to over-diet. Along with with this lifestyle stress piece comes, this is a really good time to say it, under-eating, dieting calorie restriction, trying too hard, all that stuff. I'm going to say it again, even though I said it last week, I'm saying it again. Also over-exercising, doing too much physically is a huge, 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 huge reason for hormone imbalances and cortisol imbalances and tons of the stuff we're dealing with, which seems so counterintuitive because it's like, oh, well, let's just work out harder to work off this fat. No, 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 that doesn't work. It's not a thing. That does not happen. It only will make it worse until you can get yourself back on track. You can give your body the rest that it needs and heal your hormones and heal your adrenals. Okay. I will stop there because I know I'm starting to repeat myself, but it bears repeating. This stuff is really, really important. And I just want to really continue to put it out there that maybe you are doing too much physically. Maybe you aren't giving yourself enough rest. Maybe you aren't eating enough food for how active you are. Maybe you're dieting still. These are all things to look at if we truly want to balance ourselves, get our body into a state of homeostasis, and finally lose the weight that way. Lose weight when you are balanced and because you are balanced, because your body is happy and healthy. All we're trying to do over these past two episodes, all I've been talking about, everything I'm trying to get across to you is the fact that your body has to be healthy, your body has to be balanced, and your body has to be happy, and you will get to that weight that is best for you. Again, I hope that's answered or at least brought up some topics for you to look into further. If you would like me to go into deeper detail on any of this stuff, I'm more than happy to. You just have to let me know. Info at ketoforwomenshow.com and I will dedicate some episodes to talking about this stuff a little further. These episodes were really, really fun for me to do. As you can see, something I'm very passionate about. So I hope you guys learned some things and we'll be back next week to answer some of your questions. Hey lady, do you want to make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you want to make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? Then head to my website and check out the Fat-Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon, and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly fatburningfemale, that's B-I-T dot L-Y fatburningfemale, and make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.